Welcome to Seek Reality with your host, Roberta Grimes. Author and attorney, Roberta Grimes, will explore and illustrate how she, after an extraordinary experience of light in childhood, has discovered channels of communication to the afterlife and how these implications have an effect on our everyday lives. Please welcome the host of Seek Reality, Roberta Grimes. Oh, everyone, I'm so glad you're with us today. This is Roberta Grimes. Of course, this is Seek Reality, and we're going to have a lot of fun with a topic that I think will lift a lot of hearts. One of the things I I love about studying the afterlife is that it's such a wonderful, gigantic puzzle. And there are a lot of careful researchers now who are working on the details of it, because we have the whole structure, I think, pretty much worked out as much as we can understand it. And it's important to be skeptical as we fill it in, because We don't want to add anything to this consistent picture that we're all finding that's not true. And yet new things keep turning up. And one of the hard to believe new details uh, that I'm coming to to understand actually are true um, is the fact that a good marriage can carry on after one partner has died. I mean, literally, it's almost as if they tell me there was no death, believe it or not. I don't know whether this has always been going on, um, and maybe just widows and widowers didn't talk about it, but it's also possible that this is one of the things that's happening as uh, the people we used to think were dead tell us that the veil is thinning between dimensions. So it may be this is one of the joyous fruits of the fact that we are very soon going to be in very good communication, and the widows and widowers have already discovered it. The first widow who ever told me these stories was Dr. Jamie Turndorf and her wonderful book about her ongoing relationship with her deceased husband. I think he's been dead 10 years now. And his name is Jean Penn. But her her account of how they've just kept on as if nothing had happened is called Love Never Dies. And it really proves that that's true. Um, I'll occasionally have a, a, you know, share a breakfast or a lunch with her. And um, we always have three people at the table. Jean is always there and always talking to us. So it's kind of amazing. If you have never read Love Never Dies, now would be a good time to do it if you're interested in this field. In fact, Jamie is a wonderful spiritual spiritual teacher. She's going to be with us again in just a few weeks. And about a year ago, um, I noticed that this was a broad phenomenon. Um, I run afterlifeforums.com, which is a place for people to talk about all these topics. And there started to be posts there from women, especially, and I think one or two men who are in the same contact with their with their deceased spouses they would be when they both got up for breakfast and shared breakfast at the table. It was amazing. So I, I would just sort of jump in and say, oh, wait a minute, that's not, I don't think. And they all both told me I was an old fuddy-duddy. And they told me they even sometimes have sex with their their dead relative, their dead loved one. So I said, all right, this is, this." I finally decided it had to be true. They convinced me of it. And now, as you know, I'm a member of the board of the Afterlife Research and Education Institute, AREI, and AREI is doing Zoom groups where people can talk about whatever topic interests them. And the leader of one of those Zoom groups is our guest today. His name is William J. Murray. He says we can call him Bill. And his book is only 40 pages long. I thought when I saw it, eh, 40 pages, what could be in it? You would not believe what's in it. It's called Love After Life. How I Defeated Grief and Kept My Relationship with My Soulmate Strong and Joyful After She Passed from the Physical. Kind of a mouthful, but just think of it as love after life. It's available on Amazon. And believe me, 40 pages is what all books should be from now on. After I read that book, that's what I sort of think. I'm so glad you're with us, Bill. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is great. Please tell people a little bit about your background, just briefly, so that they'll know who they're talking with. Uh, well, let's see, I, I, I come from several different uh, spiritual philosophies. I've been through several in my life, so I've accumulated a lot of information that way. I had a couple of philosophy books published in the, the mid-90s. Um, uh, basically, my, my uh, occupation now is I'm sort of a creative director for a, a company down in Austin, Texas. And um, uh, my wife passed away in... Uh, uh, April of last year, and we had been together uh, very happily married for 27 years. Before that, we referred to ourselves as soulmates or twin flames, however you want to phrase that. And I, I add that to make to let people know this was 
this was no casual relationship. We, we are very deeply in love. So, well, that's obvious when you read your book. It's amazing. But so um, you, you had been married before, right? Or am I mixing you with someone else? No, I've, I, both my wife and I had two, two marriages before we met. So you, you just knew there was somebody out there who was perfect and it turned out to be right. Well, I, I'll tell you the truth. Uh, I had basically given up on love. I thought it was basically just a, a, a commercial, you know, a, a manufactured commercial idea of deep love, true love, that type of stuff. <laughs> I, I had pretty much given up on it. And she was she was pretty disillusioned. She had um, basically said she was never going to get married again. And she was pretty disillusioned. And five days after we met, we were making plans on getting married. Five days. It did. Five it took days. almost a week. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, that's a wonderful story. But I think it resonates probably with a lot of people. When you find the person that you, between you and me, frankly, everybody, we plan all of this. That, that, that was all spiritual lessons for the two of them. And they planned also coming together. Um, that's a life planning is something we're going to be talking about more because many people don't understand it and understand right. why it's important. But it's just a beautiful story. You finally found one another and you each had children, right, from previous marriages. Yes, she had three children. I had three children. And we ended up we, we don't even, you know, call our children stepchildren or anything like that, that we all, you know, were one basically one big happy family. And 25 years is a good long marriage, although, of course, it's never long enough. So did you know she, she was ill, right? She had cancer, I think. Right. She she fought cancer for, uh, for about two and a half years before she crossed over. What kind of cancer was it? Well, she had had before I met her. That's kind of an interesting story. She, before I met her, she had already gone through breast cancer uh, she had had double radical mastectomy, and they told her she had like six months to live unless she went entirely through chemo. And this is chemo back in the day when chemo was really, really bad. And and so she was, uh, she took one treatment, and it she knew that that was going to kill her if she kept taking that. Yeah, treatment. yeah, I know. I, I have a friend like that too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and so she went to a faith healer, and it immediately went into remission after the faith healer, and. That lasted. What we didn't know is that uh, a lot of people have a recurrence of breast cancer, uh, even if they've had, you know, their breast, most of their breast or all of it removed, it still can recur. And so it came back uh, about, you know, 20, 24 and a half, 25 years later. And uh, it, you know, that's, then she started the, 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 the modern chemo, which is a lot, a uh, lot better than the old, a lot better than the old chemo. Yeah, um, th this is something which I think everybody needs to understand. If you have a spouse who's going through um, a very serious illness, uh, it's it's great if you can begin to talk and plan about what comes next. Because we all know, everyone, we all know someone is going to go first. I'm, I've been married 45 years. We still know someone is going to go first. It's good to talk, if you can, about the fact that love is eternal and begin to, and that life is eternal, and begin to learn what comes next. Because right. the people who are, don't you think, the people who are most grief-stricken are the people who have, are clueless about right. the fact that their loved one is just fine. So well, you knew a lot, right? When this all started, you knew well, a lot. Actually, I mean, we had been, uh, that was one of the great things about our relationship. We were, we were like to stay up late talking about life, talking about the universe philosophy. And like I said, I had a, had a long background in philosophy. I, I had always believed in the afterlife. I mean, from when I was a little boy, I'd always believed in it. And she had a, com a complete firm faith in the afterlife. Now, we, did, we didn't have any idea that all this evidence existed for the afterlife. But we had talked about, uh, I mean, she liked shows, uh, medium shows. We used to watch shows on TV about mediums. She would, she would ring log saying Rampa and then uh, the um, Abraham Hicks uh, material. And so we had an agreement that whoever left first, of course, would would stay, of course, and comfort everybody they could and, and keep the relationship uh, with whoever was left behind, uh, try to keep it as active as possible. So we had that agreement going in. And then, as you say, the two and a half years, I consider that uh, a part of the process that was preparing me. You talk about life planning. I, I go back 
you know, to my childhood. And it was like, I realized that everything that I had been through, all the spiritual doctrines, all the uh, life's up and downs, the two marriages, uh, had prepared me for this. And so I'm, I'm very grateful that I was, <laughs> I, I guess in a previous life, I, was, I prepared myself and planned this out because it worked out very well. Well, it worked out well because you followed the plan. Now, we all have guidance from our spirit guides. When yes. our bodies sleep, our minds don't have to sleep, so we'll often visit with them. So he was getting guidance, and he was meeting meeting with her then and with her guides, too. They were all talking about this. This doesn't happen casually or lightly. And I think, having read your book, that one of the things the two of you planned was this exact course of events, that as the veil thins, you were going to be one of the people who would help people understand how, what the right way is to deal with grief. I mean, you can either be miserable for the rest of your entire life, and I know people like that don't ever tell them that there's anything that, that could happen other than the fact that their loved one died, or you can do what you did, Bill. What you and Irene have done is absolutely beautiful. We're going to come back, and when we come back, we're going to learn more about his wonderful wife, and we're going to learn a lot more about how you and I can do the same thing they have done, which is to continue to keep our, even maybe stronger, make our love even stronger, even if one of us has died. Think of the reunion that's ahead of them now. This Did you know that when you're on the road with limited with data or Wi-Fi, right you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell? The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Gwilda Wiaka's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of The Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest, and armed with over 40 years' experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Gwilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold. Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible, and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Welcome back to Seek Reality. This is Roberta Grimes. I'm here with Bill Murray, who is one of the, the leaders in what is an exciting new field of dealing with grief. You basically... Get right through the grief so you can return to the love. And I think this is extraordinary. I'm going to just read you two very quick things that I, when I started reading his book, I started quoting it, writing things down. And there's so much. I tried to quote every paragraph and I decided that made no sense. So he and I will simply talk about it. 
But uh, this book describes the grief-eliminating and trans-dimensional relationship-building process I found and developed through my personal experience. Grief-eliminating and trans-dimensional relationship-building is a whole new term. I've never heard anybody think about it that way, but that's exactly what it is. He says, this book is for those that share an eternal commitment to their departed loved one and choose not to move on, but rather choose to embrace a trans-dimensional relationship as best they can until fully reunited with their soulmate. And of course, that's going to happen in the future. Perfect. That's beautiful, Bill. Now, when she was coming toward death, you, of course, were very upset about all of this. But were you talking with her about what comes next? Well, we had basically, you know, talked all that out. We, I mean, Irene and I had were completely and totally fulfilled while here on Earth. And that's that's something about the particular nature of the bond of this type of relationship is we were already reading each other's thoughts, basically, and and, and knowing what each other needed before anybody had to say it. We had said everything to each other we needed to say you know long before this came uh, but but at, you know as it as it got closer and closer it was more about giving uh, our other you know her children our children um, and other relatives the chance to 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 get with them because we knew what, what we were going to do i mean we had that all all figured out and so, um, how, how did her death actually happen? Were you there? Was she in a hospital? How did that happen? There was there there was a whole. She was in. A, uh, she, we had. It's, it's so often the case in these things, is it just seemed planned out. We were having a big family get together type of barbecue thing here at the house, and then everybody was over, and uh, she started feeling. She was having difficulty breathing this whole time, so she started oh. having more difficulty breathing. So we had to call the, an ambulance, and uh, I rode with her to the hospital. And then again, as this as it so happened, it, so often the case, she had like a a a recovery in the hospital where everybody got to talk and laugh and and play and and uh, have a good time with her. And then as that wound down and people started leaving, she she kind of lapsed into uh, very quickly lapsed into being non-communicative and. Uh, she had set up, or our, our soul teams had set up, I feel like it was her, during this whole time of a very profound chain of events that was basically very comforting to everybody, uh, Put had everybody here arranged in, in, a, in an exact way, and the, 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 the time that she died and where everybody was in relationship to that, as everybody needed it, like, one of the things was that um, our son, Robert, our oldest son, Robert, um, she felt that he needed to be there and needed to experience the um, uh, the pastor coming in. And, and when, as soon as the pastor said his prayer and said, you can, you know, we are all here. We, we all, you know, I wasn't there at the time I had come home, but she had uh, something else planned for me. Uh, as soon as he said, uh, we're all here, you can go home, she took one breath and she was gone. And so that really comforted uh, her, our son uh, because yeah. he wanted to see that it was it was a choice, that she was there and that she had chosen to leave at that time. What a blessing. That's wonderful. Yeah. So what happened with you? You weren't there. What happened? Well, I mean, that was the thing between my wife and I is that we were, we were so you know confident in each other. But she had set up this whole thing before where this, this, she had this um, about a week before um, she crossed over. I had a button come off my vest. And this is just one of the things. She had, I had a button come off my vest. And so uh, I asked her to sew it back on. So she sewed it back on. And I looked at it and I put it in the closet. And so I'd come home just to, you know, everybody else was there. I'd come home to, to just basically shower. Uh, uh, feed the dogs and and maybe get a little bit of sleep and come back because it wasn't that I mean we both did it wasn't that important for me to be there it was that important for other people to be there and uh, my son um, uh, called me up and said dad she's um, mom's gone and and so I, I I said okay I'll be there in just a minute and and so I went in and I pulled out I pulled out my vest and I started to button it and the button that she had sewed on just came off in my hand, 
without any thread or anything like it had been balanced on the vest and I just had that immediate sensation that you know that, that happiness that she was there and I said that's a good one babe <laughs> and so I just I just laughed and, and then I went on up to the hospital so when did you start to feel now obviously you felt he, she was there right there with you you felt her oh, there absolutely and and but everyone, please understand, we have a, you know, that sense of a presence, someone's behind you and you don't hear them, but you feel them. That is reported all the time by people who have just lost a loved one. The loved one's right there. So don't say it, think it's your imagination. It's real. But now, did she speak to you or how did she communicate with you more closely? Um, well, the, the, besides all the signs, um, now, when my, when my wife crossed over, uh, for about two weeks, starting at that time, I felt uh, I felt with this hand on my heart, and I knew that I was being. I, I felt like okay, I'm either in shock, or she is protecting me, and I felt that it was her. She's protecting me from uh, grief, from pain, and for the duration of those two weeks, I, I felt so close to her. I was talking to her. I could feel her presence. She she touched me with this the most unbelievable, indescribable sensation, physical and emotional sensation I've ever experienced in my life. Wow. And I started thinking, uh, and, and we were having a good time. I mean, as I was doing the kind of things you have to do after, after your wife dies, uh, getting a, a death certificate and all that uh, type of stuff, we were driving around and having a good time. We were, we were laughing uh, and, and, you, know, you hear the you, you hear a voice in your head that's it's it's like you talking to yourself, but it carries with it this emotional impact. And I felt great uh, for two weeks, and and then the grief hit. <laughs> so I, it, that two weeks basically gave me something to to think about and hold on to as I worked through the grief. You you say something else which I think is true, and I've never heard anyone else say it. You say grief is addiction withdrawal, right? Yeah, that's that's how I came to understand grief is uh, that it's I don't care who you are. Let's say ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I don't care who you are or your your belief in the afterlife, how solid it is uh, that when it's like being addicted to the most wonderful drug for 27 years. And when you go cold turkey off of that, basically that physical presence, that physical and psychological presence of them being there, you can see them feel them touch them uh you're, you're gonna it's gonna hurt you're gonna go into withdrawal and and the the thing that the reason i characterize it like that in my mind is that I, one i thought it was true but number two it gave me this hope that if i just outlast that withdrawal like somebody going through a chemical withdrawal that i would get to the other side of it i i think that that's a very important point because that grief is very complicated. Basic grief, um, I've come, become confident about, is just is is always something that you get over the first stage of it, and a lot of it within a year. It just always you get over it. If it continues beyond a year in that that raw sense, then you're do either you are willfully continuing it. That's the only way you can hold on to your spouse, or there's it's complicated usually by guilt but by some negative emotions that can make grief, frankly, last the rest of your life. Um, but what you did was just get through it. I, sometimes you stayed in bed all day. You, you Clearly, you were doing what you had to do to get, get rid of that addiction. Right, right. I mean, that's, a, that's what I describe in the book. There's a, there's a process of just trial and error. I mean, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist or trained in any way like that. Just We had a long history of affirmations and, and doing intentions and uh, visualizations, that type of thing. And so just uh, using those techniques day after day, uh, even if I was crying, even if I was just basically kneeling beside the bed sobbing, uh, if I couldn't go to sleep at night because I was having a panic attack, I would just keep doing those things as best I could uh, with the hope that at some point in time I would outlast the grief. And what you said is very true about holding on is it's my view that inside that grief or separate from it there is a connection sensation that triggers grief because we don't know what it is we don't know how to isolate it from the grief and so the reason in my view that a lot of people subconsciously or unconsciously hold on to that pain 
is they're mistaking their grief for the connection. And, and what I'm saying is that you can yes. let go of the grief, but still have the connection and, and properly understanding that connection and how it can trigger emotions, but it's not those emotions. It's something much better. If you can isolate that by focusing on it, you'll come into this wonderful sensation and feeling of, of them being there. That this is another great point. What Bill is saying really is that if you have a good spiritual relationship with your spouse during life, then you're going to have to interrupt it to get rid of the addiction to having that person here beside you. But there is something beautiful that comes after, and you built that that wonderful base of spirituality and of understanding what actually is going on while you were together so that you can go right back to that relationship. We're going to talk to him about how his grief began to get better, and we're going to talk with him about what came next when, when we come back. This is Roberta Gimes, Seek Reality with Bill Murray, who's a wonderful man. We'll be right back. broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com.
Welcome back. This is Roberta Grimes on Seek Reality, and our guest is Bill Murray, who is uh, still very happily married to um, the love of his life. They were together on Earth for 25, I guess, 25 plus years. And ever since then, they've been even closer in spirit, which to me is extraordinary. So when we when we ended our last segment, you were deep in grief, sometimes couldn't even get out of bed. Now, how did that begin to lift? Well, I would have, uh, I would experience uh, times, uh, sometimes it was just a few minutes, sometimes it would be a whole day or two days of feeling really good and feeling, you know, feeling that connection and feeling really happy and joyful and us kidding around and having fun. And uh, then I would, you know, it, it just at the drop of the hat, people who go through this know what I'm talking about. Just at the drop of a hat, just plunge back into grief. And that would cause me to, to doubt everything that had happened before. You know, I think you must have been crazy if you thought you were feeling good because there's yeah, no yeah. way out of this. There's, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no way out of this. Everything hurts. Um, and then I would wake up the next day, you know, probably from an uh, from an evening of being from a night of being with her in, in the astral. But I would wake up the next day and I'd feel great. And this this kind of bouncing back and forth uh, occurred for uh, a few months. I say a few months for you know, a couple of months. Uh, but after four months, after five months, I as I because I, I kept a journal and then I turned that into a blog. I realized. What was the last time I actually felt the grief? And I want to make a distinction here between grief and regular sorrow and regular longing. Um, grief is is like a wild, and people know this. This is it's like a wild animal that's just tearing you up from the inside. It's turning everything dark. It's making everything painful. It affects your mind. It, it affects the way you think. Whereas regular sorrow, I mean, we feel that regardless of whether or not somebody has crossed over. Uh, we can feel sorrow and, and longing for somebody. I used to feel that she would visit and babysit for a week at a time at her son's house, and uh, she'd be gone for a week, and uh, I would feel the same thing, the longing and the sorrow that she wasn't there. So while I would still feel that from time to time, I realized I hadn't experienced the grief. So after about four months, and I didn't realize it until five months later, but after about four months, the, the, I experienced no grief at all, and I still have I've had no recurrences of it since. Isn't that interesting? This is like a clinical study because most people just are not as self-aware and careful about recording things as you've been. But I've I've dealt with a lot of grieving widows, counseled them, had them mad at me because I thought there could ever be a future, all kinds of things with grieving, especially widows. And I think what you say is true. If it's uncomplicated grief after a few months, that addiction has worn off and the new relationship has begun. And with you, it seems to have been pretty seamless. Now, you say that she was babysitting at your son's house. Did anyone there see or, or experience her? No, I, I meant I, what I meant by that is that in, in while she was here, she would babysit at our, at our Oh, I see what you're saying. So right. you experienced her being away from you the way you had experienced it when he was alive, when she was alive. I get it. Okay. Right. Um, and did she ever tell you what she was doing? Because you, you seem to have learned a lot from her about what her life is there. Oh, well, definitely. She's she's taking care of, I mean, that was one of the things that she really disliked about her illness was that it basically kept her from from being what doing what she wanted to do, which was take care of the kids, even though they're adults, the grandkids, uh, the, the great grandkid, uh, uh, taking care of me. And uh, so what she's doing over there right now is she's largely focused on that, but she's doing what we had always planned to do. And that is build our existence there. That This is what we're both doing together now is we are focused on building our existence there. So it's, it's gone from, we, we did the same thing here. We, we created our life here, and uh, so now we're doing it over there. So, I mean, you, you talk about um, doing, uh, uh, imagining you're in all these places with her. Do you have you sense that she's actually there? Oh, you? absolutely. She's, she's confirmed to me uh, several times uh, to the point to where I've, I've largely stopped asking for confirmation. And but she does it every now and then anyway, just to you know give me a little jolt or to to give me a, a little 
a push or a, a, that great sensation of connection of you know, even more connection. But yet, yes, we, that's one of the things that I, that I focus on in the book is visualization. And that is to, to set aside your doubts and to set aside your fears uh, about whether or not you're, you're, you know, a lot of people fear and doubt that they're making stuff up in their head. And what's yes, the yes. cover in the book is if that's a problem, ask for confirmation. And, and she, she did that several times, uh, imagining our home over there, imagining what we're, what we're going to do over there, uh, going to just, I mean, it's trivial little stuff, but that's, that would make us so happy here. I mean, if we were just watching TV or going down to eat out, going out to eat out, or if, you know, we've envisioned going to the beach over there and, and just having fun, both of us perfectly healthy, both of us having a great time. And the reason I started doing visualizing us over there instead of here was to avoid the pain of remembering us, our time together here. Now, right. I can do that now without any pain, but it's essential that you focus on something that gives you happiness and joy to bring that, that connection into focus. One of the things that Bill says in his book is that, well, everybody, every healthy couple that wants to maintain a relationship should right now be learning all that you can about the afterlife. I mean, you're aware that I write about it. Um, uh, the fun of dying is is all about that. Um, but other there are other great writers, too, and he mentions some of them in his book. And the other thing he says you should do is be positive. This is so important because the, the higher your own personal spiritual vibration is, and he says this right in his book, and it's true. The higher your vibration is, the closer you're going to be to your loved one who's now in spirit, and the easier it will be for you to constantly be in, in contact the way they are. Basically, your life hasn't changed that much. You're, you're checking in with her all day long, and he's checking, she's checking in with you, and you probably watch TV together and go out to dinner together, all the things you used to do. That's so amazing. But yes. it's because you, you've kept your energy high, Bill. That is so important. It, that's and it is and it's very difficult to do when you're going through grief and that's yeah. one of the reasons you have to have a way of a way of understanding like the addiction the addiction scenario uh, the withdrawal scenario a way of contextualizing or framing this in your mind that gives you an avenue to go forward and to have the hope the, the afterlife information is great for doing that and a, and a means of of thinking about your relationship in a very positive way. And when you're thinking about uh, you being together in an unlimited afterlife without any of the, the problems that exist in this particular world, of being able to do whatever you want together uh, in this vast adventure of the uh, afterlife, uh, that very quickly becomes something very positive, very thrilling and very ha happy and joyful to imagine. It becomes a self-reinforcing um, positive cycle, which is a very good thing, and which unfortunately is not what most widows and widowers do, at least for a time. They, they're in a self-reinforcing negative cycle and make themselves feel worse. So you're a very brave man, I have to say, but what you're leading the way for so many other people who don't want to spend the rest of their lives miserable. You're certainly not doing that. You weren't psychic before, though, were you? I mean, you're not someone, people are, People shouldn't listen and think, oh, it was easy for him. I could never do it, right? <laughs> no, this was, this was all accomplished without any type of, of, uh, of, of what I call esoteric um, practices, like going to a medium or being psychic or uh, having a near-death experience. This is just stuff in my book. Uh, explains my very normal way of going about it. I mean, a lot of the things that I talk about in the book are actually, uh, I've, I've come to find out later, uh, common practices in psychotherapy. And that is visual, the visualization of, of the positive aspects. Uh, they say that your, your brain and your subconscious don't know the difference between uh, reality, what you experience, and what you imagine and visualize. So when you're imagining and visualizing your, your loved one in a very positive, uh, happy scenario, that starts imprinting on you. That's, this is their exp uh, explanation of it. That starts imprinting on you to react differently and to, be, to feel differently when you think of them. You know, from my perspective, it's you're getting closer and closer in tune with them and you can feel psychically 
that connection and so that pain uh, starts to go away and you just start feeling the positive experience of them being with you. One of the things that I think is very important is that you before before the death, you all are comfortable with what is coming next. Um, I got a couple of years ago, I got a call from a phone call from a woman who was um, helping her husband die. And she said he was very, very ill and had been for a long time. And she said that what was lighting the last days of his life was that every night she would come to the hospital and read to him, believe it or not, from the fun of dying. So he could look forward to what was coming next. He hadn't known. And she said he's all excited now about what's about to happen. I thought that was about the strangest call I'd ever gotten. But when I got an email from her a few days later, she said her, her husband had died at peace because he, he had stopped focusing on I'm dying and started to focus on, wow, I'm about to begin to really live. And that's another thing people can do if if your loved one is not familiar with what's going on. Didn't happen for me, though. I didn't hear from my mother that I was right until after she had died. She said, oh, my goodness, you were right all along. But she <laughs> to the end. So we're all different. We have to help our loved ones however we can. This is a universal transition. We all make it. And you don't have to make it fearfully. Knowing that we're all going, um, you can make it actually a positive a part of a long-term eternal relationship with the people you love the most, not just your spouses, but siblings, parents, all your loved ones. Um, the reunions over there are glorious. This is Roberta Grimes, Seek Reality with the wonderful Bill Murray, and we will be right back. Named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exxon radio show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at elizabeth.joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From out of the woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www williamspeckham.com
Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and my wonderful guest is Bill Murray, who has developed an even better and stronger relationship with his wife, Irene, after she went early, and he is now um, effectively married forever. And they're having more fun than they ever thought they could have at when one of them was no longer in body. It's important to understand, though, that there's a process. He had to sort of work his way through it. And if you listen to the things he's saying, and if you follow what people are doing, if you have a spouse who's very ill, you don't have to think that this is going to be a death. This is just a change in the relationship, and it's only temporary, because almost in a minute, Bill and Irene are going to be hugging again in the physical. It's going to be extraordinary. And Bill is trying to help other people um, to do what he is doing, which I think is really beautiful, Bill. Thank you for that. Um, as you know, I'm on the board of uh, the Afterlife Research and Education Institute, AREI, and also on the board is my wonderful, wonderful friend, Wendy Zamet. And Wendy was the one who said, you have to have Bill on because he is just, just a powerhouse in this field. And so uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing to help other people come to understand that they can continue their relationships with their beloved spouses. Well, b besides uh, the blog and the book, I've, there I'm uh, in a group on Facebook called Forever in Love with our partners who have crossed over. And uh, we don't hold normal uh, Facebook groups uh, yet. We may do that uh, for, for, you know, whoever, you know, like groups of people, 10 or 12 people, because uh, people can, this can be a very raw experience. Some of the, some people are, are very raw and they're, they're in a lot of pain. And what I've found is it's better for me to, to deal, uh, interact with these people on a one-on-one -on -one basis so they can feel a little bit freer about expressing yeah, yeah. that. That's beautiful. I'm so glad you're doing that. It must take a lot of time and a lot of love for you to be doing that to help people. Well, we've, I mean, I've, I've talked to a few people and it seems to it seems to have helped them. I'm very grateful to be in the position where I can uh, offer that type of help to people. One of the things I'm wondering is what if people, um, you know, someone has lost a spouse last year, two, three years ago, and it never occurred to them. They're, they're starting to feel less in grief, but it never occurred to them they could keep the relationship going. Do you have advice for them? Well, yeah, uh, advice. This is a commitment. I mean, people have to make a decision or, or, or understand that, it, that this is a, a, a commitment. You don't just wait for other the people on the other side to contact you. Um, this is a two-way communication. They are thrilled. You know, Irene is thrilled to be able to interact with me. Our loved ones are thrilled to be able to interact with us. But it's a two-way street. You can't just be you know, in my opinion, you can't just be submissive and 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 expect them to do all the work. We we right. have work we have to do on our side to be able to 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 feel that connection, to empower that connection, and to build on that connection. So if it's if it's something that somebody really wants to do, like for me, I knew I couldn't continue without a relationship with her. So there was basically no choice. You know, that's something I've always wanted to do. It's something we agreed to do, but you know. I knew that I, I had to have her in my life. So if that's uh, their particular situation, then uh, there is a way forward. There is a way to go forward and empower that relationship. I'd just like to uh, introduce a little experience of mine as well. Um, on Afterlife Forums, uh, there is someone whose wife was in the physical when he joined the forum, and, but she was dying. And after she died, she, she was a, a, a medium. She had been very very spiritual. And after she died, she had a wonderful relationship with her husband just, and, and he too. And he, it was wonderful to watch him brighten when he realized that that could continue. But he now has a girlfriend and he says that she doesn't mind that at all. And that's what we hear from a lot of people. So if you're listening and saying, I would love to stay in touch with my wife, but I'm young. I really want to have a close relationship with someone in the physical. You can have them both. I've never heard of a case where, where a spouse has gone ahead has felt any jealousy at all. It does not seem to happen. Instead, the thing that's the great thing about love is it's infinite. So you don't have to limit yourself. 
to one person, or you can. It's totally up to you how you handle this time. And there are there is no right answer. But only know that since love is all there really is, um, it, it's up to you how you do it. But you said the biggest problem people have is when things happen that really are communications, they just write it off. Right. I mean, that's, that's part of the doubt or the fear. And they're always looking to somebody else. Uh, I say always. They are often looking to somebody else to verify for them uh, that it happened. And in my, in my book and in my experience, it's, it's when, when you have that intuition, I wonder if that was them. That's really that's your, your, that's your spirit saying it's them. And that's, then, then your mind covers that up with fear and doubt. So just accept that it's them, validate this to them, tell them, I hear you, I, I, I yeah. am talking you, and, and, and that empowers that relationship that moves you closer in focus with them. That is such an important point. Right. Uh, of course, my, my book on signs from the dead and communicating uh, with the dead is the fun of staying in touch. And um, one of the things that the dead tell us is, even if you think it's, could not, might not be, but gee, I've heard that same song three times in the past two days, and we we danced to it at our wedding. I wonder if that's a sign. Just say thank you for that sign. Please do something else, or please do it again. Um, because speaking aloud, we are told, as you just said, um, so much is true that's in your book. I'm, I, I'm, I didn't realize you had so much knowledge, but you have a great deal. Um, speaking aloud empowers them. So we, what we want to do is everything we can to encourage them. Absolutely. Do everything you can. I mean, I, I was I set coffee out on the table every day since she crossed over and she actually draws a flower with the milk and the coffee every really? day, <laughs> every, every single day. And, and I even conducted an experiment once. And this is what people can do to get confirmation is I told her, you know, if you don't want to draw that flower anymore, it's fine. I'm OK. And then two days, the flower didn't show up. And I, so I said, uh, I think I was a little hasty yeah. in that. Would you please start drawing that flower again? And it appeared the next day and ever since. That is amazing. That I mean, I I understand that that is what happens. And that's something that you all can do as well. You can say, please turn that off and then please turn it on again. Uh, for me, it happened with electric lights. It was astonishing. Yes. But it, this is this book I re recommend to everyone. I mean, it's this is many books you feel like they're a lifetime commitment. This is a book that's 40 pages long. And in those 40 pages, it packs, you know, hundreds of pages of information in a very quick place. People who need it probably don't want to make a long commitment to a book. It's called Love After Life. And it includes a lot of links. It's a it's um, available on Amazon. And the author is um, William J. Murray. And I really think anybody who, is, who cares at all about keeping their relationship going with a loved one who is or is about to die, uh, it needs to read Love After Life by William J. Murray. Thank you so much for being with us. I feel as if you're an old friend. I hope that I'll get to hug you for real for soon. But meanwhile, please accept my virtual hug, Bill. I'm, I'm hugging you back. I really do appreciate this, Roberta. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, everyone, as you know, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. When you really get what that means in your life, it's going to change everything for the better. Next week, your guest will again be your host. A couple of listeners recently separately asked me to please do a program on reincarnation. Um, and if they feel the need to know more about reincarnation, then uh, my hunch is everybody probably would like to hear a little more about it. Since I was a Christian for most of my life, into my 50s, uh, that really was a foreign concept to me. But the evidence is so abundant and consistent that all of us live lots of lifetimes that I've learned rather late in life why it fits and all the evidence. And it's all it all makes sense. And even Jesus talked about it. They just tried to cut it out of the Gospels, but they didn't take everything. I'm kind of liking reincarnation now, and the way it actually happens is so boggling that I think we probably should talk about it. Please join us next week. This week, we've been speaking with William Murray, who's a leader in the new ranks of widows and widowers who are continuing their relationships with their deceased spouses as if those spouses were still alive. Truly and always, as Dr. Jamie Turndorf tells us in her wonderful book, Love Never Dies, love never does die. It doesn't have to. In fact, it can get even stronger after death. 
Bill's brief little book is Love After Life, and it can be found on Amazon. I really urge you to read it if you have any interest at all, because when you really need this information, it will be infinitely precious to you, and it can make all the difference in the rest of your own life. He kept a journal, so this really amounts to almost a how-to book for people who have been separated from a spouse temporarily by death and want to still keep that relationship strong. Frankly, when our choice is between being sad for the rest of our lives or instead beginning to build a new relationship that keeps our spouse so central to our lives that happiness still is possible for us and that hug that's coming up soon is going to be wonderful. And that's the choice. I think the choice William made has to be the right choice for all of us. Let's keep our marriages going if they're important to us. Now, as you know, my nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and for young children, The Fun of Meeting Jesus. If you want to talk about any of my books or if you just want to say, you know, hello uh, or ask a question, just go to robertagrimes.com and ask through the, the, the contact link there. If you need want to see, hear past episodes of Seek Reality, they're available on webtalkradio.net, iTunes, and through the Seek Reality app, you can find for free in the iTunes store. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please don't for a moment forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. And please enjoy and make the most of this coming week in what is truly only one reality, just a beautiful, gorgeous one. And always know that you are a powerful, eternal being and you are infinitely loved. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com 
or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.